0: So what do you do? The economies changed, jobs are not as prevalent as they once were, and many people report their businesses are down as much as 75%. Is this the right time to start something new, or is that just a stupid idea? Well, let's hope it's a stupid idea, because today, that's what we're talking about, how powerful it is to start something stupid. With the author of the book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, my friend, Marketing Impact Academy alumni, Richie Norton. Now, Richie is one of the coolest dudes. I I have to describe him for you because, I don't know, when I listen to a podcast, I'm always like, what does this person look like? Who are they? Richie's just like the ultimate surfer dude, like just the coolest dad, the best husband often has a flat brimmed baseball cap on, lives in Hawaii, but travels the world when we're not in the middle of coronavirus. Just one of the ultimate, when I think of someone who's living their absolute best life, it is Richie Norton. In 2019, he was named one of the world's top 100 business coaches by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He's an international speaker. He's done TED Talks, Google Startup Talks. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's helped so many people who I know take a physical product and actually bring it to market, including some of our physical products. He's been featured in Forbes, Business Weekly, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post. He's been recognized as one of the top 40 under 40 best and brightest young businessmen in Hawaii. And if anyone can inspire you to just do it, to just start, Richie Norton is the man for the job. All right, let's get to that interview. Well, Richie, thank you so much for joining me today on Build Your Tribe. I'm really excited to do this. You're just the
1: funnest person in the world. Oh, man, you're the best. This is an honor. I've been waiting my whole life for this very moment.
0: You stop that (laughs) right now.
1: I know for real, though. I love you so much. I know you're not even asking me questions yet, but I've done MIA, I've been there, I've followed you, you've taught me everything I know. So everything I say is straight from you, just coming through my mouth. I don't know, honestly though, so grateful for you and what, what you and Brett do for the world.
0: Oh my gosh, check is in the mail. That's amazing because like literally this week, I have your a hard copy of your book, but for some reason I bought it on Kindle this week and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so inspirational. Like There's so much of this that I need the world to hear right now because now more than ever, I think people are really starting to realize nothing is certain. I have to be in control of my own destiny, and there's so little that I can count on. That maybe now is a time that I consider like doing my own thing. It's so true. That's you know, and, and you just really motivate people to do that.
1: Yeah, would that's it, so Have nice you
0: always me. had that kind of spirit?
1: You know, I don't know. <laughs> Even as a kid, my mom would encourage me, but also encourage my own willingness to try and. Help other people like the kid that no one else liked, you know. I'd go and hang out with that guy, you know what I mean? That that was just, I guess that's in my nature. But as far as turning it into things that serve people and are entrepreneurial, I mean, I grew up with that. My dad was an entrepreneur, my grandpa was an entrepreneur. So they kind of taught me to think in different ways, you know. And so I don't know if it's innate or learned, but I've definitely been doing it for a while.
0: Let's start with the people who struggle with it, right? Because we both work with those types of individuals now. And I mean, in the intro, people got to hear about how vast your experience is. Like you're one mm. of those guys who knows like something about freaking everything.
1: <laughs> just every just making it up. I'm just making it up as I go. I don't <laughs> That's like secret so. right there. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. there's,
0: I find that there's two different types of people. Those people who are like, they're really down to experiment and to fail. And it's like, it's just not a big deal. They don't even think twice about it. They just leap, they jump, they go for it. The hardest people for me, I feel like to reach and the ones that keep me up late at night. I suspect this is probably true for you too. Are those people who are so paralyzed by perfection, the ones who worry endlessly about, is this the right thing? Is this the right time? What are people going to think? What if I'm doing this wrong? And I just, I don't have that gene. And I know you don't either, but tell me about those people who you've worked with that maybe when you first started working with them, like how did you help them to break through that mentality? Because I know there's people listening right now that's like, yeah, that's me. My hands are up, No, it's me. true. How do you break through that?
1: Okay, this is good. And my head's spinning because I have all these examples, but let me back up real quick. Like there's the voices that are outside that we hear and there's the voice in our head that we hear. And we tend to actually hear the voice in our head a lot, but we also start to filter the voices of others almost in a way to say what we want them to hear, even if it's negative. Someone might say, like you're saying, go start a business, and they hear, yeah, but that's not for me. No, no, that's not what Shaleen said. (laughs) That it is for you. I remember, I was 16 years old. I wanted to make some money. I told my dad, Dad, I want to make some money in the summer. I was going to go get like a minimum wage job picking up trash at like the local carnival or whatever I was going to do. He said, "Worst dad ever." He says, "You don't want a job." I'm like, "What? what? Who says that? That's not what you're supposed to say, Dad." He said, no, I'm from San Diego. And he's like, he said, said, go to El Centro and ask the watermelon farmers if you can buy their irregular sized watermelons from them that they couldn't sell to the stores because they're oddly shaped. And I'm like, okay. And he gave me a little bit of seed money, so to speak, and filled up our family van, took out the, the seats with these watermelons. Me and my brother, I was 16, he was 14. Came back, called up all my friends' parents, said, hey, I got these watermelons, it's almost the fourth of July do you want to buy them they said yes probably just because I'm a kid and whatever but I'll tell you what I learned from this process I made more money in one day on the fourth of July than I would have made the entire summer working minimum wage is what entrepreneurship is a learnable skill it's just that sometimes we're not getting the right voices we're not listening to the right people or mm-hmm. filtering those voices in a way that doesn't serve us
0: let's <laughs> talk about that filtering process yeah, yeah, like yeah. so Do people know that they're filtering it? How do you change the filter, right? Like, so we're filtering, it's like cognitive biases. Like we all- Let's,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Let's play with that for a second. Like you mentioned people procrastinate and a lot of people will associate, like I have a whole chapter in my book on procrastination. I've studied it. I'm a procrastinator myself and people associate procrastination with laziness when in reality, the- trait most associated you can google this stuff if people don't believe me the trait most associated with procrastination is immediacy and you have to always do something right now it's like for food people it's like filling up on bread at dinner instead of waiting for the main course so in reality most of us are procrastinators are actually workaholics We'll do anything at all, we'll get so much stuff done not to do the thing that we actually need to do.
0: Where does immediacy play into that and how do you correlate those
1: two? Let's say for example that I'm putting off my taxes. So instead of sitting down and going doing the hard work it takes to kind of look at the numbers, I'll go do the dishes. I'm working, I'm getting a ton done but I'm not doing the activity that gets the result that I actually need.
0: So in other words, People who procrastinate, oftentimes are, they're doing something that gives them immediate gratification. Maybe that gratification is the sense of like, well, I'm doing something, therefore I'm productive and therefore I feel good about myself. And if I yeah. start that big project, it might be harder than I think it is and that doesn't sound good. And so I'm going to follow my intuition and do this thing like that's going to give me immediate gratification.
1: Yes. It's kind of like when you say, oh, you're really busy and at the end of the day, you got nothing done. It's Oof. like, well, you're busy on the wrong things, right? Yeah, totally. So, so then, then how do you, we'll just fast forward. How do you solve procrastination? Well, there's a million different ways. It's a lot of It's psychological. There's a lot of ways to do it. But at the end of the day, you need a deadline. Like if you ever watch any Rocky movie, every Rocky movie is them just kind of fumbling around until like the month or two before they actually have to have the fight. Then they get <laughs> down to business.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, considering the moment that we are experiencing in time, which is, it's just so remarkable. Like I'm, I'll am i never forget the day that I got to interview Richie and we we're in the middle of this crazy pandemic. Yeah. And we talked about the fact that he's in Hawaii and they're arresting tourists who are not yes. self-quarantining. Like this is just a yes. crazy time where we just, it's wild. nothing that's certain anymore. And because of that, I think people are really waking up and realizing like, yeah, nothing is certain, including my job, including the one business that I have. Like the one thing you and I really connect on is like, we have all these other streams of income which P.S. we didn't start at once but for a lot of people it's time to you know start a second stream of income or like let's go, let's start your own business. It's
1: true. It's almost like there's a lot of wake-up calls and then some wake-up calls are bigger than others you know and like this is a huge wake-up call like the whole world I felt was like sleeping and so when you wake a sleeping giant it's gonna get grumpy you know things are gonna happen the world's gonna spin your head differently. But for people like me and you, and those who are listening to this, I would ask a different question. I'd say like, if you don't do something to change something right now, what's your life gonna look like in 10 years? And then a lot of people too, we think like this, we think 10 years from now I have this goal, but 10 years is so far out. So many things change until we're there. They don't always happen the way we thought they would. A global pandemic happens. You lose all the money in your 401k, your spouse passes away, right? Like my son, we can talk about my son passed away. Like you have these wake-up calls. But What's weird is we make goals. Let me back up one second. Think about who you were or who I was or who whoever's listening was 10 years ago. So 2010, Shaleen was a different person. I was a different person. Your kids were different people. Like literally where you lived, what you did, what you thought, who you identified as. So we make goals based on who we are now or the future. But we're never going to become that person because in ten years we're going to be a totally different person. I've never thought of it that way. So, so like bringing it all together, you say, if I want to be this person in two, five, ten years, why don't I act from that person today? And you essentially become that person right now. Yeah. So you go, I want to change my income. Okay. Well, you can wait five or ten years to figure that out, or you can just sell something today.
0: Mm. You have a quote. <laughs> I'm going no. to misquote you, but I, I'm just going to generalize it. But there's a quote in your book where you say, or you're quoting someone, I forget whom, but you said a year from now, you're going to wish that you had started it a year yep. ago, like whatever that thing is. And you have this really cool chapter where you kind of help people ask all the questions they need to in order to remove all the excuses that we have. And I think you call it TEM, like, Oh, yeah. Time, education, Look and money. You.
1: Yes, the time, education, <laughs> money gap. <laughs> no, it's true. So, one time, so Stephen Covey of Seven Habits is a mentor of my, my wife. I know them through my wife's family. And Stephen M.R. Covey wrote a book called Speed of Trust. And he asked me when I was in my mid-20s to do trainings with him. And he literally just me and him in the room, this big, long, like, corporate table. He's like, just me and him. He says, Richie, I want you to teach this. And I'm like, I literally said to him, I said, what about all the gray hairs? <laughs> I'm like, well, how am I in my young 20s going to teach these like 50 and 60 year old people about business? Like, what are you talking about? And he kind of slammed his fist on the table. No joke. And he was, wasn't being like mean. He was kind of being serious and funny to drive home a point. He said, Richie, people say they have 20 years experience when in reality, they only have one year's experience repeated 20 times.
0: That's crazy. I
1: never thought of it that way. When when he said that, it blew my mind because he wasn't saying experience isn't important. He was saying continuous learning is important. He was saying that I could learn. He was also saying that some of these guys, gals, whoever, who have been in the same job for a long time, have actually been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that we could disrupt that. Let's
0: let's talk about disruption, right? Because I think that's another reason why so many people, or I should say an obstacle that so many people use in their minds, is they're like, everything's been done before, or I'm not gonna do something different because this is the way I've always done it, right? And so I I don't wanna change anything because I'm really comfortable right here, even though things are getting uncomfortable around me, hashtag, you know, blockbuster video. You share some really cool analogies specifically about the Model T and the Ford Corporation.
1: I, so, I love that you've read my book and you're like looking at stuff. Yeah, I've, read, it's so
0: cool. I've read it twice. <laughs> I've read so it nice. twice now. <laughs> so nice to me.
1: <laughs> uh, you're amazing.
0: I read it when <laughs> I first cool. when we first like met in person. Yeah, and then I read it this week again and was just like, oh, oh so this is so nice inspirational. So share with us some of that, okay. those concepts.
1: So, so what's interesting is you know, there's the joke that you can get. Any Model T in any color as long as it's black. That was kind of the, the joke. But what's interesting is Model T became so successful, Ford at the time before it became successful was Henry Ford was crazy. People thought he was stupid. And when they would call him crazy based on what I read about him, he would say, yeah, crazy like a fox, right? So he's, he, was, he was embracing it. He creates this thing called a car, <laughs> an automobile, and it, it ends up taking over the world other cars started coming in as competition, but they only had one car, the Model T. And he was the king. Over 50% of all cars in the world were the Ford Model T. What happened, though, is GM started doing their own cars, different styles, different colors. And as you could imagine, people get interested in that, start buying those, and their market share started to drop. Well, I guess at some point, Henry went on a vacation or something and came back and his staff had made him a new car, a new model. And you think, well, that's so cool. He got on top of the car, broke in the windshield, broke off like the handle on it. He like went off. You're like, what a jerk, <laughs> seriously.
0: Not very grateful.
1: And he was like, no, but this is what we do. And so what happened is, this is kind of like the stupid loop, as what I call it. Stupid became smart. Smart became standard. In other words, a stupid idea was successful. People started seeing that saying, oh, this is a good idea. And they started doing it too. Okay. So I call it the stupid loop. So instead of him creating something new, he stayed with it. But like all boy bands, (laughs) at some point they lose their appeal, right? And so they lost market share so much that they were actually forced to shut down their factories and reinvent and over time they created what's called the model A. And then they started getting their market share back up and started doing different things. So the lesson in this is, we have to always be returning to stupid. Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, he, he calls it living in permanent beta. You're always reinventing yourself. So the same way I said, unintentionally, we may have been someone different in 10 years and unintentionally we might be someone different in the future in 10 years, we can intentionally become different better if we choose so.
0: So in other words, if this loop is true for most of us, yeah. you start off by picking something that you're like, okay, this seems stupid that I'm gonna try this, people are saying I'm stupid for even thinking this is possible, I don't know what I'm doing, This is yep. this a stupid idea? And then you just start and you make your progress. That stupid thing turns into something that's really smart and then it becomes that really smart thing isn't so great anymore becomes the standard or it becomes stagnant right. and it's if you're not innovating, if you're not improving, if you're not in data, then that standard or that becomes so stagnant that it's stupid again.
1: That's right. But you ne- can get stuck negative, in
0: stupid or stuck in stagnant I guess That's right. if you're That's not right. innovating.
1: And you can think of a million examples of that it happened with Jeff Bezos and Amazon. It happened with Apple and you know Steve Jobs and computers and creating the, iPod thing and then destroying it and creating the phone that basically takes over an iPod and a computer. Like, if you look at their business, they destroy what they created and create a new thing over and over and over and over. And
0: I love these kinds of examples. But I, whenever I hear them, I always think to myself, yeah, I don't know if the average person can relate to being a Bezos or an Apple, (laughs) but you know, but it's almost like we have to stay there because you don't want to call out people personally that you know. But like, I'm thinking like just now when you mentioned that, I'm, I'm like, who do I know who probably had a dumb idea and they got to that stage where it was really smart and they haven't innovated. And I can think of a few people, in particular, people who are like really brilliant at training people they have a concept, they've got, you know, they're really good at what they do. They want to help the world. And that seemed like a dumb idea at first. And then then they started speaking and getting on everybody's stages and, you know, traveling the world, helping people in this way. And, And like one person in particular who I happen to know who I've been saying to this person for the longest time. Like, you got to take this stuff online. There are people who can't go to your live events. You have to leave your family all the time. Like you got to put this online so you can reach more people. This is just not my thing. I'm not an online person, blah, blah, blah. Well, well, now he's kind of stuck in that standard. It's almost back to stupid because he hasn't put himself in that position to do things differently because he's always made a Model T black, you Good know, point. and now no one's yeah. traveling and they're at the moment yeah. anyways and and I know we will at some point but my point yeah. is you know he's an, a perfect example of that loop
1: no it's a good example what's interesting when I speak in front of like audiences I'll have them like turn to the person next to me or I'll have them raise their hand and I'll say have you ever had a stupid idea that turned out to be great and they'll talk about it with their neighbor and it's like that's fascinating the most amazing it's not always business stories just be some random idea like I'm going to go off to college or I'm not going to go off to college or I'm going to marry this person or I'm not and they and you're like wow so you start realizing stupid's the new smart like if it's already smart it's already been done where's the creativity there's no creativity right and then what's interesting too about your friend for example people who have never started anything they cement patterns that make it hard for them to do something new but people who have a pattern of creating new things when they become successful it's a hard fall if they fail because they're on a pedestal So they don't wanna change it up because now you have a lot to lose. So there are ways to go, how can I mitigate that risk? How can I do this like in secret and then launch it? How can I pre-sell There there are ways to do it, but it's a different problem for someone who's successful to reinvent themselves than someone who, we're all successful in our own way, but someone who hasn't actually tried ever, they have a different problem than the person who already made it.
0: Have you seen that new show with A-Rod,
1: have you seen his new show? I don't think so.
0: Okay, dude, it's exactly what you just said. <laughs> oh, really? He, he goes to like people who were once like A-list celebrities and okay. had this like, you know, moment where they really like rose to fame. And then something happened where they came crashing down. And there are those people who figure out how to like reinvent themselves and how to innovate and figure out what's next. You know, like the person I think of all the time is like Suzanne Summers. Like she's so dope. Or like George Foreman, he's so dope. Like yeah. those are people It's like, what's next? Let's go. Yeah. But so anyways, A-Rod, he meets with these people and um, I've only seen two episodes, but it seems like it's gonna be a really good show <laughs> because okay. I keep seeing that mentality that yeah. like I fell so hard from this thing that I know. Yes. That they keep thinking that I have to go back and do that. It's like, no, that's gone. Those days are over. <laughs> you can't be on Baywatch anymore.
1: <laughs> Senior citizen Baywatch, maybe. Right?
0: It's kind of interesting. So, talk yeah. to me about the five action steps, I think you call it, of New
1: Smart. So, when I wrote the book, I did a lot of research and it was obvious that successful people started things. But what was interesting is that I realized they started something stupid. Started something that someone said they were crazy and they shouldn't do it or wasn't their time. They didn't have enough time, education, or money experience. So, I interviewed over 300 people in person and, the, like, usually couples, usually approaching retirement or in retirement. And I would say, what did you learn whether they felt like they were successful or not what did you learn and they would say something like this i waited for a time where i'd have more time more education more experience and more money only to find out that when i got here i still need more time more education more experience and more money Mm -hmm. And then I looked at the people that didn't wait and they just did what they could with what they had. They started where they were. They leveraged existing resources. They reached out to people that knew more than them. It was a who, not how kind of thing. And they just kind of figured it out. And if it failed, at least they didn't wait 40 years to learn that it wasn't going to work out.
0: Hey, I want to interrupt this episode, this interview, just for a moment to let you know, I want you to be making an additional stream of income yourself. Like, Maybe you're already in business. Maybe you're already in a network marketing organization, but I've got a really cool challenge that myself and my family are doing. Depending on when you're listening to this, I want you to go to shaleen.com forward slash challenge. It's five days and we're gonna teach you how to take the things in your home that are creating clutter like old clothes and jewelry and shoes and furniture and electronics and things like knickknacks that your mom gave you. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? We're gonna show you in- less than five days. By day three, you will be making extra income. Now, this is such a cool thing to do with your family because it's an awesome way to teach your kids how to make money. It could very possibly be their introduction to online income, creating their own online business. For you personally, if you listen to Build Your Tribe all the time, but for whatever reason, you're just not making a ton of money yet, I want to teach you how to become a reseller. Myself, my husband, my son Brock, and perhaps even Sierra. We're all going to be doing this. I'd love for you to get in on the challenge. Do this quickly by going to shaleen.com forward slash challenge, and I will send you an invitation to a private Facebook group. We'll go live 20 minutes a day, five days. You'll be making money in no
1: time. All right, back to the interview. So people match their dreams. This is a thing in America and lots of countries now, but they match the timeline of starting their dreams with when they'll retire at 65. And it's a tragedy.
0: What you say a lot of people do that? I've never heard that.
1: So if you're in corporate America, the reason they started, like, the railroads did this, but they started doing these 401k plans. They started doing whatever plans they called them back, and they had these retirement plans to get you to work longer and not leave their company. In fact, if you take your money out early, you're penalized. So they're saying... I will give you two weeks vacation in your life congratulations well i give you this tax deferred retirement so that by the time you finally retire you can finally live and do everything you've always wanted to do and it doesn't happen that way for most people the 401k tanks 2008 happens 2020 happens someone passes away they're unhealthy and you go don't tie the waiting of going on a week-long trip to Italy to being sixty-five when you can do it right now,
0: dude. Right? I mean, and you—you you I mean, people. I don't know if you guys, from now on, everyone needs to follow you on Instagram because, first of all, your whole family is freaking epic.
1: Thanks. Yeah, they're like, awesome.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you got such a hot wife who's an she's, amazing she's, writer.
1: She she's hot. She's super funny. <laughs> she's amazing. She's so smart.
0: Your kids it's are true. super cool and they you guys are. travel the world and you live this really cool, purpose-driven, fascinating, fun life where you're just helping so many people. And I don't know, it looks like from the outside. I mean, looks, and I know you, I mean, yeah. it's legit. Like you really are all of you living your best lives.
1: Yeah, we are. We're trying and I'll tell you why. We didn't always think this way. Things happened to us. So like, if you looked at our life from that, vantage point you'd say dreams fairy tales if you looked at it from the tragedies we've experienced you go those guys have one of the hardest lives you've ever imagined you know and you i don't want to trade my life with their life kind of thing so we have four boys our youngest son got this cough and we took him to the doctors they said it was nothing you know we're worried parents and they said okay maybe it's RSV but we can't confirm okay it's RSV it's going to be fine no big deal but it persisted until we finally brought him in one night and they kept us there and they usually didn't keep us there. And over time, finally they looked for something called pertussis, also known as whooping cough. And he had caught that. And when he caught that, it was just so much on his little body. And I remember, How old
0: was he at the time?
1: So he's only three months old. He's only three months old. And it was like going around in California and in, he caught it in Hawaii. But I remember he's like, we're in this hospital room, the PICU. And he's in the middle. I'm on one side. My wife's on the other. He's just like laying there in between us. And we're just praying for a miracle. And my wife was keeping a blog. And, you know, this is, this is kind of in the early days of blogging too. She had all these followers from all over. And we had tens of thousands of people messaging us. We even had one guy from Istanbul saying, I stood up all night praying for your son. Like just it's an outpouring of love. And I remember they brought in a crash cart. And they're like, look, you guys need to stay the night. We're like, we always stay the night. But they were cluing us in on what might happen. And I remember at some point, they took out all the tubes, all the wires. And I held him for a moment. My wife held him. And we just prayed. And we sang him lullabies. I, I had my hand on his heart and waited for those last beats. And Natalie and I promised each other that we wouldn't let this tear us apart. Because we knew that it could, and that a lot of times it does, and we made an actual decision that we would live better, like for him, because of him, and do our best just to just be conscious and kind to each other when it got really hard, and he slipped away. And as you can imagine, it's like you're, <laughs> it's like, you're, like, you're like tearing up. A, it's like your worst experience as a parent to not be able to protect your own kids. Uh. who are so vulnerable. And um, <clears throat> what you don't think about though is like. We had to leave. Uh, what is, like, Natalie told me this later, too. She's like, I didn't know what to do. Because she's holding the baby. Will you leave your child there? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> she told me looking back, she said she felt like there was this other Natalie that kind of came out and carried her to be able to have the strength, a strength that she didn't know, to be able to hand the baby to a nurse. Who came in ugh, with a sweet ugh. angel <laughs> and she rocked him as we left the building empty-handed oh my god and so what happens is like this experience is tragic and a lot of people listening to this have had their own tragedies i read a grief pamphlet at some point it's something like it's a tunnel not a cave it's a tunnel not a cave and a lot of times when tragedies happen we don't see the tunnel, we just see the cave. <laughs> or we stop walking and we create self imposed caves. And what I did mention is that just a few years earlier, my wife's brother at 21 died in his sleep out of nowhere. And he was close with us. Like he lived on and off with us for like five years at our house in Hawaii, like just a cool dude. So here her brother died, our son died. And I had this mentor who just, she was speaking in Hawaii and visiting from the mainland. And she came out to us and said, What did you learn? And I'm like, Uh, (laughs) stupid question. Don't ask me that, you know, what'd you learn? You know, (laughs) and my wife's like, ask me a year, you know, (laughs) and she was well-intentioned and I thought about it though. And I write about it in the book. And I, what I learned is what I call, so my, my brother-in-law's name was Gavin and my son's name was also Gavin, named after him. Yeah. They're both buried here in Hawaii, snuggled Ugh. up with each other. We visit them all the time. I do
0: not believe that.
1: Uh, it's weird when the graveyard becomes like your playground with your kids. Like you're just there a lot, you know, it's, it's bizarre. But I learned what I call Gavin's law, which is live to start, start to live. So when you live those ideas that are pressing on your mind, even stupid ones, you really will start living. So many people, don't know what to do but they do have an idea pressing on their mind just pushing it away because they label it as fear or stupid mm. or I can't or I don't have enough so when, when you going back to your, your original question on start it's an acronym I created for serve think ask receive and trust and this is a process that so many greats from like the most famous people you can read about to people like you to like just the everyday person They use this pattern and just magic happens when I attach it to live to start, I think live to serve, live to thank, live to ask, live to receive, live to trust. Mm. So when you serve others intentionally for free, your freemium concept, when you thank them for the opportunity to give them this gift and serve them, you earn the right to ask. You're not just asking out of nowhere like some mooch which you don't want to be. You're asking out of respect. And then you receive, and in, I know you guys are football people. Like, imagine if the quarterback throws the ball and the receiver swats the ball out of the air or kind just <laughs> puts his knee down. The crowd would be like, what's wrong with you? The team would be like, we all work for you to, like, score. What are you doing? When people throw stuff to us, gifts, receive. When you share your content and we don't do anything with it, it's like a gift we never opened. Like, we're literally swatting it out of the air. The best gift you can give to the giver is to score the touchdown. Run it yeah. down to the end zone. So you receive it with the intent to win. Because it's a double win. And then you trust that process. That's really <laughs>
0: powerful. It's
1: good. You made me blow snot oh bubbles.
0: <laughs> that story is just like, I have many follow-up questions, but I can't ask them because I'll break down.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't man. know
0: how you get past that kind of tragedy, but you do. Well, let
1: me tell you though, when Natalie and I got married though, our, our goal was to be able to be there for our kids, take them to school, pick them up coach their baseball team without having to ask a boss to tell us if we can or not (laughs) you know be able to show up for their events that was our dream and we're doing it so when he passed when both gavins passed we actually had created intentionally which we had to refine over time a business model a business model where we could work from our cell phones we could work from anywhere like We went for two months on the road after that happened, just huddled up as a family, camping, fishing, just talking to the boys about what happened. They're all different ages, so they all understood it differently, you know, like, where did he go? Or am I going to see him again? Or am I going to die? Like, it's all these crazy questions. The thing is that, like, and I'll just go through this quickly, but, like, it's so important to start those ideas that are pressing on your mind, not just because of, like, I don't know, it's an idea and it can make you money, but because, like, so you can live a life without regret. And so you can teach those around you how to do it. So you can stop the cycle of, I don't know, not living dreams, (laughs) whatever that is, right? And it gave us the capacity to, to use our time differently. So now when I start businesses, I fast forward and I go, I can start a business that will take up my time. But if I have a child that's say 13 years old, if it takes me five years to have it break even, make money, work out, Well, I just lost their entire teenage years and they're gone. Like they're out of the house. So now I teach people how to create businesses that create time, not take time. Mm,
0: Yes. And that's the thing. You know, you write in your book, money's easy. Yeah. Time is hard. Time is hard. You can get your money back. You can make your money back. You can make all kinds of money back and then some. (laughs) But you're never going to get that time back.
1: It's true. Well, so for like for, for listeners, I'm hoping I know we're, we can get into some like really tactical stuff too. But like I'm hoping like you're going, even in the midst of a global epidemic and economic like disaster, there's opportunities everywhere, and it's not about waiting more. It's like you waited till now. Are you literally gonna keep waiting to see what happens? Like you can do something about it. And let me share That's with you a couple it. more things, and then I'm able to get some tactics. But I don't know if you know this. We met this family, and it was a mom and, and three kids. And she needed us to watch her kids overnight, we had just met her at church and we're like, cool. And they were like, very cute, Cuban, Dominican, grew up wherever, amazing family. The mom doesn't come back. We have them for a week. She texts here and there. We don't know what's going on in their life. The CPS shows up at our house and they're gonna take the kids away. And we're like, what are you gonna do with them? And they said, well, there's three of them. It was a seven-year-old girl and one-year-old twins. A boy and girl twin, and they said there's nowhere for them to stay. So we're gonna, they're going to stay in our office, and then we're going to split them up because nobody wants three kids. And we said well, we'll take them. And they said, well, you're not foster parents because you haven't done all the things you have to do to become one. Said, okay, well, what can we do? And they said, well, because they're already in your care, we can call it kinship placement. So, so we ended up fostering these kids for two years while their mom figured out her life and eventually got them back, which was. Wonderful for her, but also a very scary tragedy thing for us. We were hoping to adopt them, you know, and it didn't work out But we went from four kids to three kids to six kids So we have people ask me how many kids I have. I'm like, I don't know. Do I have seven or do I have three? Like I don't know (laughs) Right After we lost them again, we were gonna try and figure out what we're gonna do And on our way to the airport, we were gonna fly to New York and we were gonna just drive across the country That's what our plan was and we were gonna make money on the road while we work from our cell phones Doing this kind of things that we'll talk about here in a second on the way to the airport. Natalie has a stroke We find out later. She couldn't talk. She lost her memory. She couldn't remember what was going on She couldn't speak. Do you think it was stress induced? It could have been stress induced They didn't show anything on the brain scans and eventually she was she was like they let us out And I said, Natalie, we're gonna go home. We're gonna relax We're just gonna sleep do whatever and she's like, there's no way i'm not getting on that airplane If I lay down i'm not getting back up She's so brave. And I gave her this. She was going ahead of us because she was going to go to some conference thing, and then we were going to meet up with her. And I gave her this little note that said, If I forget my name, <laughs> call this number. And then I'm like, Oh, she's going to forget to give them the note, you know? <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but, anyways, she flies to New York. She's so brave. She's so cool. And she made the decision, even when these hard things, that she was still going to live her life. We don't know. The thing is, what I'm trying to say is, if someone dies, if someone shows up on your doorstep, whether you lose your memory, I had my son also, one of my sons got hit by a car and almost died. He was in the hospital. It should be quadriplegic. Like you don't know what's going to happen, but it's these fears that stop us from trying to do anything. Real or not. And right now they're real. Yeah. We ended up on the road for six months. We drove from New York, to San Diego to Mexico, up to Canada and then back out to Hawaii, just not knowing where we're going to sleep at night. All of this was enabled because of a a thought and desire to put family first, desire not to wait but also with a proper business model that allowed us the freedom and flexibility to do that.
0: You have a pretty cool resource that you could share with our audience. I think that would be great.
1: So if you go to richnorton.com, it'll just pop up or richnorton.com slash seven, six day challenge. just kind of takes you by the hand, step by step, day by day, how to come up with an idea, how to turn that idea into a project, how to turn that project into a deadline, and how to actually make it happen around your highest like values and goals. But yeah, it's free. Grab it. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. And a lot of people right now, I hope that you guys are downloading that taking advantage of it because sometimes, you know, people wonder, like, I just don't even know where to start. Yeah. I don't even know how to organize yeah. the process. And I think that's a wonderful tool that will help people literally organize that process. You do a lot of different things. I think you help a lot of people. I mean, I know you've helped us. It's so cool how our relationship has gone in full circle. and yeah. And I'm really excited about some of the projects that we have planned together. Like I, Cannot wait to travel. No, you're amazing.
1: So for those who don't know, I went to the marketing impact Academy And I didn't know what I was getting myself into, (laughs) you know, with this crazy lady dancing around doing cool stuff (laughs) But I had just written the book I didn't really know how to like market it or what to do next So you really like taught me and honestly, like I just learned so much a lot I had a lot of questions. I was just like, what is this? But You kind of threw me into this world where I was like even with a book, even with a physical product, even with whatever, you can take your expertise, you can take your ideas, you can take your products, and you can market them online properly. And like at that time, I'm just selling the book. I didn't really think about showing the business model behind the book, I just yeah. wrote it because I thought I should write a book, you know? But over time, I have generated millions of dollars to through my companies and millions and millions of dollars through other people's companies been helping them execute and create products using the ideas from your marketing system. I know this Amazing. isn't about this, but like if anybody's listening to this, whatever, whatever she sells, you buy it. Cause it's,
0: it's <laughs> well, I, as the, as the R and smart, I'm going to, I'm going to receive that. Thank you. Yeah. It really means yeah. the world to me. It does. And I just love that all the things you do kind of like all of it ties to helping other people like live their dream and create these really cool things. You know, We could do a whole other podcast, so we'll have to make it brief because we're (laughs) running up on our time limit, but I think it's one of the coolest things that you do is you really help people innovate, and I wanted to ask you, what is the difference between innovation and an invention?
1: Okay. That's a good question. A lot of people like use the term the same, an invention could just simply be something that you literally invent. It's like your new creation. It's your widget. It's your new idea. Whereas an innovation is actually the process of bringing that idea or that product to market. So someone will invent it, and then someone will innovate it, right? Those so are the it's two like different the, things.
0: it's that person who's like, when you see something on TV, and you're like, oh, I invented I that. that. I just never innovated."
1: That's exactly right. And there, people always, because the word disruptions becomes so popularized. You know, Clayton Christensen loved him. Amazing guy. Met him several times. The idea of the disruption is people also get that confused. That's just a small idea that intentionally or most likely unintentionally disrupts some other industry. So when you're just trying to create something and you want to invent and innovate, there's like these incremental innovations, which are like evolutionary innovations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are different than the disruptive ones, which are revolutionary innovations. So an evolutionary one might be, oh, I saw this thing, now I'm gonna add to it. Cool, a revolutionary one kind of creates its own market, and creates its own thing. So in a lot of ways, a lot of people will say, this is kind of just a new idea, but a lot of people will say, I can't do this because someone else has. Well, in some ways you could say, you can just do something similar, you can model them, you can innovate something similar, but you can also recognize your own human being, like your own self as an actual revolutionary innovation like the fact that you're doing it makes it a new market cuz no one else but you and your little microcosm of the world is doing it there's power in that you know what i mean so
0: yeah yeah it's interesting concept the thought of coming up with kind of a better version of something that already exists that feels like okay i could do that Coming up with something revolutionary, whoo, that's scary. Like, that <laughs> intimidates me. But I think if you don't give yourself permission to at least be someone who thinks that way, where you're looking at something that already exists and going like, how could this be better? Or what's missing? Yes. Then you're never going to
1: shoot your shot. It's true. So, so people will go. So when they, okay, so what happened? When I wrote the power, I is something stupid. People would say, Richie, I have this stupid idea. Can you help me? And I'm like, uh, I want to help. I'm not the subject matter expert on their stupid idea. It could be anything. And I also realized real quick, if they said they wanted to make money, they could make the money and they'd still not have the time or the real dream they want. People would say they want a stupid idea, but they wouldn't say so that they could actually do XYZ. For Mm -hmm. example, someone will say, I want to start this business, but what they really want is freedom of time and location so they can travel with their family around the world. So if you start a business that, that actually takes up your time, you're going to start one that doesn't give you the freedom to travel with your family. So you didn't get what you want. Right. Psychology, is, my next book to be about this, but psychology, it's called final cause. What comes after the success, the success after the success. So now when someone says, Hey, I want this, I go, that's cool. That's cool. We can do that. But what do you really want? Oh, I want to be able to do this. So then we can center the goal and build systems around it that support it instead of doing the weird goal setting thing where you trickle up and then go, ooh, I finally get it, which never happens.
0: Yeah, you're speaking my (laughs) language. You're speaking my language. And I, you know, it's like success 2.0, you know, figuring out like what it was I wanted and the things that I thought meant success and the goal setting that I mastered to achieve those things and then getting there and then realizing, oh, these are all the things that I wanted, but I don't feel what I wanted to feel. Because I never factored in that's what right. I wanted to feel into my goals, and so now I, I that's what you know. That's no, the whole push goal concept it, it, is like I start now with yes. like, what's the feeling I want?
1: Yes, and those journals are amazing. <laughs> they're Thank so you. Good. Thank you for
0: all they're your so help good. there.
1: No, <laughs> so no, they're awesome. amazing. But I mean, that's it. Like someone says, Richie, I haven't made money in a year. I have this idea, and the first thing I'll say is, "When's the last time you asked somebody for their credit card?" And their face drops. And you're like, if you're not asking people to buy it from you. You actually never worked a day in your life you're preparing to work if work means yeah. making money you have to do money-making activities you know richie what do i sell ask the people what they want and give it to them do a survey yeah, I literally stop making it's, stuff up man you don't need you don't to need to
0: get a focus group like literally if you've got 10 followers you've got people who will say hey yeah this is actually what we want and this is how much we would be willing to pay for it. And this is what you should probably call it. Like they'll do all the market yeah. research for you. Well, Richie, this has been as I knew it would be just <laughs> super inspirational. I'm pumped up. I'm inspired. And I know our audiences too. So I hope that everyone will grab that free download 76 day challenge. You can get that again. We go to RichieNorton.com.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I'm going to put all of, if cool. you don't mind, if I have permission, I'd like to put your wife's IG in our show she's, notes too because she's, she's amazing such worth a follow she's man
1: incredible yeah you yeah. guys
0: are great people thank, thank you so much for being here today oh, this has been being a, a great
1: honor thanks so much for uh, doing this seriously and everybody listening she's amazing you know it but seriously <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so. oh awesome cool. love you Mina. it love you too thank you thank you bye. so much all right we'll see you bye bye